The voice you can hear behind me is that of Brad Scott, UFC middleweight. Uh, we're here having lunch, and you're listening to the World Podcast with me, Gareth A. Davis. Brad, great to have you on again. Yeah, glad to be back, mate. Glad to be back. And also glad to be back in the Octagon, May the 10th, I understand. Um, Southern Australia, the first Adelaide card, you're fighting Dylan Andrews, who you know has this amazing story. No, he's not just a fighter, but he has this amazing story of having grown up in in a, um, in, a in a kind of environment where marijuana was being grown. <laughs> yeah, we've all heard the uh, we've all heard the stories about the pot farm and stuff, and the cannabis farm, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but I don't care about that. I just want to lay them out cold, and get fifty grand, walk away with. I don't care. The, the crowd's going to boo. Good, boo with my hand raised. That's all I care about. Sorry, there's a lot of noisy people here in the st- in, in, in it. Well, I call it our studio. We're we're in a restaurant in Westfield at the moment, and um, you're about to embark on a uh, on a trip to America. First of all, you can do most of your training at MMA Lab with John Crouch, Bendo Henderson, all those kind of guys. Um, they've got some light heavyweights there for you, and um, people like uh, Joe Riggs is there, isn't he? A few others. Yeah, Joe Riggs is like uh, he's the boy. He's good at everything in the in the gym. He's the man to be uh, to be sparring with. He's the absolute daddy. He's the one everyone wants to train with. Um, Benton Henderson, now he's gone up to work weight as well. He's now closer to my size. That I'm, is nonsense. He is not. He's not far off, is no, he? No, he's not. Benson Henderson is a small man compared to you. Compared to me, he's small, but he's about 84 kilos. Those legs weigh some it, you know. That's, he's got some big tree trunk legs on him. And I've got little skinny matchsticks at the bottom. So sort of He's got some it. big tree trunks legs on him, and i got some matchsticks. It sounds like I've got a brand new combine harvester. And <laughs> I love your accent. I really do. I can't help. I can't help. I drop in the West Country whenever I see you. It's, it's horrible. Don't pronounce your T's, do you? 14, 15, 17... <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, but I can't wait to get out there and train. Now he does fight, uh, well, you walk around up at 84 kilos, it's going to be much better for me. I can use him for sparring, I can use him for drilling. The, the pace he drills at will break the average man. I've seen you two or three times while you've been out of action uh, with the shoulder injury and the surgery you had. Um, obviously, it was last March, early last March, you fought against Claudio Silva in a fight. We've said it enough times, you and I. I'm, I'm so disappointed you didn't beat him up and you, you played sportsman. Um, and you were sporting in that fight and didn't knock him out when he was uh, feigning, uh, what was it, a low leg, yeah, low a, a, a low blow at the time. Yeah, you, you, hopefully you'll learn to be a lot nastier than, than last time. Dylan Andrews, though, um, you, you know, you just seem really happy in yourself. Dylan Andrews, though, serious test because he's, you, you're a stand-up fighter principally. Obviously, you're quite well-rounded as well, but, and, and you're developing that part of your game by going to the MMA lab. But but Dylan Andrews is is a formidable striker as well. I'd say Brad, he hits hard as well. And um, what I have noticed when he you know he beat uh, Luke Barnett in the third round with a good punch, he beat um, I can't remember who he beat. He beat someone with caught Van Uppercut after a bit of an early onslaught. Um, all the you know, all the fights he does win by KO. He does land a good uppercut, a good overhand right. He does land that right hand a lot. But I think with my training, I'm going to circle away from that and catch him with my own. I think I hit harder than him as well. Um, I think I'm a little bit faster than him. I, I actually get to showcase my striking ability for once. I'm saying this now. You wait, it probably end up double-legging me straight away now. And I end up battling <laughs> for my life, climbing up the cage. But, you, but the point is for you, you're back in action. You're doing what you're, you're happiest doing. You're, you're back to lifting, fighting, training, you know, being, being the lovable man you are. Yeah, looking good, getting all the ladies' attention. <laughs> nah. Um, yeah, I'm glad to be back. I'm so glad you're training again. 
and hopefully I'm going to uh, continue and make a good formidable career out of it. Uh, look, let, let's look back at the weekend. It was a it was a massive night for women's MMA. Um, well, Friday night was as well with Christian Cyborg Santos in action against Charmaine Tweeted in Victor 11. Uh, notably, uh, Dana White and Lorenzo Fatita octagon side there for that event in uh, in, in Los Angeles in California as well. Um, Cyborg Santos, first of all, what's your view on her? Uh, I've always been a huge fan. My coach as well from Dragon's Lair, he's uh, Stu Pike. He's a huge fan. We've always liked her. We like we love her clinch, her aggressive style. She's not. She's an original. She's one of the few women, isn't she, who is still pure shooter box, isn't she? Yeah, you know, shooter box. She's there to kill you. Yeah. If the referee's not there, the her opponent will die. She is absolutely savage. I've seen her spar guys way bigger than me and do well. She, I think uh, Tito Ortiz famously ended up knocking her out, but they were they were going for it beforehand. Yeah, you, have you seen video of that sparring between them? And it is incredible. I mean, she, she lifts him up and dumps him at one point, And he is a big man. He's got like a little peanut-shaped head as well, and a really big, big, big head. You can tell him to his face he's got a big, big, big peanut-shaped head when you see him. One day. <laughs> one day. I'll wait for him to retire first. But you're a big fan of hers, as you say. And she, she looked fantastic against Charmaine Tweet. Obviously, she was back after a period out as well. She's just absolutely savage. And, of course... I think we all knew deep down inside she was going to fail a, um, a performance enhancement drug test eventually. It wasn't long. She looked more masculine than I did half the time. So I thought it was only a matter of time before she was going to fail. The, as you say, the, the, there have been issues with her in the past. But um, if we just mention for a moment uh, UFC 184, Ronda Rousey looking fantastic against Kat Zingano. Um, you know, do you think that they're going to get Cyborg Santos to lose those five kilos, those 10 pounds, and get down to uh, bantamweight from featherweight and we'll get that fight on because surely it's one of the big super fights in the world. I think it's down to uh, Cyborg. If she can genuinely, genuinely lose that weight without affecting her performance, she'll do it. I know she'll do it because she's going to get paid huge amounts of money for it. I think, she's, I think she'll end up being, you know, maybe even the favourite. I think she's, uh, she, she strikes so... So aggressively, she, she's got no, she'll have no respect for Ronda Rousey's judo game at all. She'll go out there, she'll throw absolute haymakers. She's got legit jiu-jitsu herself, and she's a freak of nature in terms of strength. I can just see it. In, unless Ronda Rousey does pull off that throw into an armbar, I can't see uh, Rousey beating Cyborg. Fantastic and fantastically interesting. The, 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 the weekend then, Ronda Rousey against Kat Zingano on Saturday night. What did you make of, of Zingano's reckless... Um, opening seconds in that fight, kind of running in and th a flying knee, basically, wasn't it? Into the arms of Rousey, maybe into the arms of defeat. Yeah, into the uh, arms of a throw straight into an armbar. I think it was uh, reckless, sums it up pretty well. It's a shame, really. I'm a big fan of Katzangano. Um, it's a shame that the thing is, I've always learned when I spar judo players, don't let them be able to transfer your weight onto their hips and let them throw you. That is all they do, day in, day out. She was on the Olympic team for America. So for the United States of America. She knows how to use her hips well. She is drilled for hours upon hours upon hours, days upon days, weeks upon weeks, the same throws over and again. If you give her a chance to get her hips underneath yours, put the weight on it and throw, she will catch you. Don't charge at a judo player. Zingano was treated like human Play-Doh for me in this, in this fight. But Rousey now being referred to as the Mike Tyson of women's MMA. Do, do, do you go along with that? Do you, do you think the Tyson analogy is fitting? Um, no. I, I suppose she's aggressive like Mike Tyson is, but in terms of aggression, she's like 
a kitten compared to Cyborg. Cyborg, is, she's there to kill you. She will find your family in the audience after and kill them. She is savage. I think, you know, maybe now she's off the gear. It might be a little bit different. But I think, I don't know, I'm just a huge fan of Cyborg. Do, but do you think, it, can Cyborg cut those £10 and still be as um, a, f- a forgiveness to all those listening hearing screaming children in the background they should be at school right now but they're not they're obviously not at school yet big screams coming from down below they're not watching fights I hasten to add um, the, d- can Santos defeat Rousey at 135 though which I, I do think she has to do she needs to come down Rousey's done nothing wrong she is a bantamweight she makes the weight can Santos beat her she think, you think she beats Rousey but does she beat her at 135 that's the problem, like I said, it's all about making the weight. Can she physically make that weight? Because she's a big girl. I can imagine she cuts a lot of weight to make 145, let alone the extra 10 pounds. Um, she said it would kill her to do it. That's the problem. How's she going to fight? You know, How's she going to come back? She needs someone like that, um, Mike Dolce to come help her out. But I think even he said he would struggle. I'm sure I heard that before in, in like a review or an article that Dolce even said he would struggle getting her down to 135. And he is famous for making people cut crazy weight. But are we starting to hear things in, in MMA in the UFC now where we didn't used to hear in the past? Um, BJ Penn fought Lyoto Machida at heavyweight years ago. BJ Penn, who's not a natural welterweight, fought at welterweight against all the great or, or tough welterweight fighters. I mean, why should Ronda Rousey be protected from not fighting at 145, for example? What's wrong with her maintaining her championship belt at 135 and fighting at 145 in a women's fight? Because they're building her up to be this great big superstar. They don't want her to lose anyway. I think they want her to have great fights and stuff. I don't think they want her to lose. They want to build her up as a great big um, superstar. They're making loads of money off her. Um, you've got to remember the UFC is a business as well as a sport. And uh, I, think I think they're playing it safe. I, d- I think it'd be horrendous. Well, you say they're playing it safe, but she's wiping out all the opponents in her own weight class. And, you, 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 you know, and I know we've talked about this earlier. She's only doing what they're putting in front of her. She's only beating what they're putting in front of her. And right now, though, she's head and shoulders above everyone else in her division. We thought Kat Zingano was going to give her her toughest challenge to date. It was her quickest finish. I totally agree. I mean, the way I see it, every time I watch a champion fight, Normally, like GSP is, oh, can Hendricks beat GSP? And you're thinking about the positives or the negatives. Can he do it? I'm like, yeah, there is a chance. But when I see guys, um, well, sorry, ladies uh, matched up against um, Rousey, I, I can't ever see them beating her. Is there anyone I can ever see who's got a chance of beating her is uh, Cyborg, and they're different weights anyway. So in terms of her division, there's no one in it that's going to get close to beating her. Do you think we saw Holly Holm in her debut on Saturday night against Raquel Pennington? I do feel like Pennington has a style to suit Holly Holm. Crouched, southpaw, she looked fluid and and, and beautiful in her movement. But uh, is she still a long way from challenging Ronda Rousey for the title, even though Ronda mentioned her afterwards? Yeah, I mean, Ronda's probably mentioned her because she wants her sooner than later. I mean, there is a chance that Holly Holmes is going to develop this slick... um the slick movement and getting away like GSP he was famous for getting away from takedowns if she can get that sort of style and keep the quality of her striking up she's got every chance of beating Rousey as well but just not yet she's not ready for it yet so we, we would we like to see Zingano in two victories and back in at some point I would certainly I, I felt a great sense of bathos um, when it was over in 14 seconds I really wanted to see um, the the um, I, I just wanted to see Zingano's elbows and knees and, 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 and 
tenacity and ruthlessness, and yet I felt deflated after it in some weird way, you know? We didn't get to see anything. We just saw um, Katsunalu rush in, um, get epically reversed with a sweet reversal by uh, Rousey, and then get subbed straight away with a, with a move Ronda Rousey doesn't you know, particularly try a lot. So uh, I'd like to see it again and see Kat get, you know, get some good strikes of Ronin, land some nice elbows, maybe get a takedown, which I can't see happening. Every, everyone who goes to take Rousey down gets reversed immediately with a, uh, a throw. It's, it's incredible watching it. Um, a couple of other points on the card. Um, Tony Ferguson looked fantastic uh, to me uh, at lightweight. He's 8-1 and one in the UFC now. Um, he's a brilliant striker for me. He's getting more and more rounded all the time. He's very powerful. He's very rangy. Um, great victory over Gleison Tebow. Um, and for me, it's an absolute disgrace he's not in the top 10, let alone the top 15 in the division. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I mean, he uses his range fantastically well. I, he's quite. He, everyone always thinks he's a striker, but he's actually very well-rounded. But he uses his uh, range very, very well. He stays long, he keeps it long, which is going to frustrate the fighter. As they get frustrated, he'll catch him heavy again, he'll catch him heavy again. And that will, as a fighter, break you. And then, like, in the end, like you said, Gleason Tybal, like Gleason Tybal, he ended up pretty much giving his neck. We all have problems saying his name, yeah, don't we? everyone does, yeah. It's, it's a difficult name to say. And he's a difficult guy to fight, but Ferguson made him look easy to fight. He's huge. He, he's famous for cutting stupid amounts of weight. When I was on the Ultimate Fighter with Bola, Omieli and Luke Newman, they both used to train with him, and they were just saying how crazy big he is. He's huge. Is he, can he go on? I've said he's a dark horse in the division for a long time. Those treacherous waters of the lightweight division where you could, you know, you could match so many great fighters, and they, they are, it's a brilliant division. Um, it, it, can he, has he got the skills to make his way up there and challenge for the title and hold it one day, or is he, is he just one of those guys we love to see fight because of his style? And he, no, 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 I'm talking about, no, I'm talking about, you don't need to whisper. This is the, this is the world podcast here, you don't have to whisper over it. Any, any errors can just go on um, as they occur. No, what I meant was, has Tony Ferguson oh, got the yeah, wherewithal? Has Tony Ferguson got the wherewithal to take himself to championship level and, and to fight for the title? Or is he just someone we love to see fight and will always be one of the fan favourites? I don't think he'll ever be champion. But I think he's got every right to, uh, to fight for it eventually. I mean, there's a lot of guys in the top 15 I can see him beating, just purely with his striking. Well, the only guy he's lost to in that 8-1 run in the UFC is Michael Johnson, who for me is a very similar kind of fighter and a guy who I've also trumpeted for a long time as someone who, once he gets his game right, these guys are so quick in and out of range. Their precision and striking is so great. They've got that great ability to stun, strike, stun, submit, which is the perfect way to finish someone in MMA, isn't it? Well, that's why it's called mixed martial arts. Strike him, um, catch him, or take him down, and then use jiu-jitsu, that's three different styles. Striking or boxing, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, that's why it's called mixed martial arts. Um, Thanks for the lesson, though. Oh, so just <laughs> educate, educate pork a little bit there, innit? Teach you to suck no, but No, but it's, but it's beautiful to watch when it happens that way as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why people watch MMA. Otherwise, they just watch boxing or kickboxing. Yeah, yeah. You want to see all of it put together. That's why, you know, we're, we're different athletes to anyone else in the world. Um, look, Mark Munoz, um, uh, rear naked choked into submission. Well, he, 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 was, he was out against Rowan Canero. Great return to the UFC for him. But, but the referee literally inches from um, Mark Munoz's face. And, and as Hannah Gracie uh, tweeted... 
Um, any person who doesn't understand ocular fixation should not be allowed to referee in the UFC. It, it was shocking for many people. Well, yeah, because not only that, everyone watching it would have presumed, you know, they could, oh my God, is, is he dead? What's going on? Why is he not moving? Obviously, he held it on for too long. He must have been out for about 30 seconds. The ref should have pretty much stopped it. As soon as you see the guy's eyes not moving, I mean, I, I've been putting chains before and I'm looking around for an escape. I'm not looking in the straight way, you know, my eyes are not focused on one thing. I'm moving, the, the ref should have spotted it straight away. And, and also, uh, a couple of other points on the card. Um, I thought it was great matchmaking by Joe Silva to, to put two guys on three fight skids. Um, uh, uh, Jake Ellenberger and Josh Koscheck in together. We were interested in that fight, weren't we? Koscheck's obviously a big name. Uh, Ellenberger is still a top 10 contender in the welterweight division. Um, Ellenberger did exactly what he needed to do in the fight, but Josh Koscheck's body language um, and the way he is now worries me a little bit. I don't want to say the guy's shot, he shouldn't fight, but that's what I'm leaning towards. It, when, when a guy looks... You know when, you, when the poker face is gone and someone just looks incredibly worried about being in there? Some guys fight like they look worried. Anthony Parosh looks like he's been beaten up in the playground every time he fights, and yet he's incredibly durable. But Josh Koscheck was one of those power merchants, wasn't he? And he doesn't look happy in the octagon right now. He'd been a long time out. And when a guy doesn't look happy in there, he looks facially uncomfortable once he's been struck. Um, as you, you'll go on to explain how he's touching his face, but it, it worries me. It worries me for that person because they, they look vulnerable to me. It's almost like he's just doing it for the payday. So I mean, he's just doing it because he needs some money. Well, he said he wanted his hand raised. It wasn't for the money. Look, he, he, he's one of the standouts. He may go on to be inducted into the Hall of Fame one day. I think he's 23, 24 fights in the UFC. He goes all the way back to tough one. Um, he was the villain at one time. He's been a company man for the UFC. He's a great guy. I mean, I, I, Josh Koscheck is always a pleasure to be around and to speak to. But I, I, I'm, I'm talking from a, from a, from a fight journalist perspective here that, 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 that you know we look at the tiny margins with people when you know I do anyway I'm looking at little things with people and I have a sense that things aren't right for him physically you mentioned it to me earlier before we started recording when he was touching his face the whole time maybe maybe something's gone um, around the the, the, the the left part of his eye that was jabbed so hard by George St. Pierre in their title fight so many times I, uh, I remember a couple of years back when I was sparring, I got caught under the eye and uh, I lost the feeling on uh, the left side of my face. And I was wondering, maybe I had the same sort of thing because I kept touching myself. Like, I was like, in awe, like, why is it not, why am I not feeling it? And maybe that was why he was worried. Maybe he was worried he was going to lose the feeling in his face and he was concentrating more on that than the fight. That could have been the reason why the fight was, well, went the way it did. Well, that's fascinating stuff. Um, and, and finally, um, well, two things, really. Um, Roman Salazar, Norifumi Yamamoto, declared a no contest after Salazar was fingered in the eye. Um, what, what are we going to do about eye pokes? Is it, can the gloves be changed? Should a point be deducted straight away from a guy who's poked another in the eye and we see it on video evidence? Um, what would you like to see? I personally don't like the UFC gloves anyway. They actually, um, they actually force your hands open where they haven't got a fold halfway through. Like the, I don't know if anyone remembers the old pride gloves. They had a crease, then you could protect your knuckle and it kept, you could keep them closed longer. The UFC gloves don't. They actually pry your hands open. Maybe that's why a little bit of the eye pokes are happening. Not only that, when guys use their range, tie boxes especially, they put their hand out to judge a distance. Of course, in a tie fight, their fingers are covered. But in MMA gloves, their fingers are left bare. And that may be why they're catching them in the eyes, tying for the face. I don't really even pay attention to the eyes. Maybe they are hitting the eyes in that little way. 
But do you, but you do you back? Dana White's mentioned this recently. A point deduction every time there is an eye poke. One hundred percent. And that way, I would have beat Claudio de Silva, wouldn't I? <laughs> Four eye no, pokes in yeah. one match. Yeah, but but they, they, they do seem to be so frequent. It may stop people, like you say, pushing the fingers out when they do that. Well, they shouldn't do that anyway, because the risk is so high of uh, poking someone in the eye. If you point your fingers in the direction of someone's face and you're pointing them out and their eyes are open, there's a big chance going to hit them in the eye anyway. I think you should have a point taken off you. Brock Lesnar um, was there octagon side in, in, in Los Angeles, still contracted to the WWE, but could you see him coming back in 2015 for that trilogy fight with Frank Mir? For me, you know, it's a 70-30. I think we might well see him back in the octagon. I'd like to. I'd like to see that. And that also brings... Um, massive popularity to the sport as well which means our wages could go up if the money comes in we'll see you never know do you um so i'd like to see big super fights that happen look um, finally this week um uh before i wish you well as you head um to across the pond and then down under um in the next 10 12 weeks um look performance enhancing drugs massive press conference since i last recorded the podcast um by the ufc held in Las Vegas. We know what's going to happen in July. Um, random drug testing, two to four year bans for first time offenders at the moment. It's a nine month ban. Um, Olympic style testing. Do you support what's happened? Is this good for the sport? Depends on if everyone's tested fairly. If everyone's tested fairly and they're genuinely tested strictly and they haven't got a team of chemists behind them like Lance, um, Lance Armstrong did, it should be fair. I mean, if you have got um, fighters out there who've got like, a team of chemists behind them, you're never going to catch them. You're never going to catch them, and it's never going to be fair. But hopefully, people aren't going to you know, go to that extreme like Lance Armstrong did, and we hopefully everyone will be on the same level playing field. Um, the, 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 the thing about mixed martial arts, the thing about um, the UFC, it's growing into the mainstream in the sports landscape. So from the outside in, from people looking outside the sport, looking into the sport. For me, this was a seminal moment, a very good moment for the sport to increase the standing, the credibility and the belief in this is a sport that's here to stay, that has the right things in place and that is serious about not wanting its athletes. Because we know about all the talk in MMA, we know it's an explosive power sport, we know that I mean, if I can throw a statistic at you, there is, I mean, you threw my sheet off. I've got it on that sheet over there. Um, uh, five of the top 10 highest paid athletes in the UFC from 2013 have tested positive for PEDs and or illegal drugs. We know from recent times, Anderson Silva, uh, Vito Belfort, he's been banned before. Big, big Chael names. Sonnen. Chael Sonnen, big, big names have been involved in in, in, Hector in, Lombard in, as well. Yeah, Hector Lombard. They've been, had positive tests for performance-enhancing drugs. Um, it's for me, but I, from a journalistic perspective, it puts the whole of MMA in the right light with this move forward because it can be considered that the sport and the UFC leads the way in most of these things. The sport is being put first. The movement of mixed martial arts is being put for for being put forward and that we are eventually going to end up with a clean sport cleaner than it's ever been I hope so that'd be much better for me but I'd also like to see a, uh, a division where you're allowed to take anything you want and see some no, big that's freaks. crazy you can't <laughs> do that I think it's fine if you want to do it in freak athletics or you can't do that Brad people when you could, when, when people could get killed people you can get, get legally killed in an octagon you could get legally killed down in South Adelaide um, 
because you sign up to fight and, and, and you know, you could legally kill a man or be killed yourself. How can you want to fight against someone who may have that advantage over you in a fight that's obviously sanctioned and safe and all those things? It's, 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 it's beyond cheating for me. It is cheating. It is. But it's beyond cheating when you're fighting someone. When you're using... You're not running against someone over 100 metres. You're not throwing a javelin further. You are inflicting harm on that person and you're trying to render them unconscious or submit them unconscious. It can't be right. In front of thousands and thousands of people as well, which is what makes it even worse. And I, I suppose, uh, even though it's a tiny little bit of chemicals you put in your body, it has a massive effect on the way you look. I mean, you've only got to look at the, uh, the world's strongest men. They are 100% juice off their tits, and you can tell that. They're like six foot seven, 180 kilos, 10% body fat. This is insane. You, you can't, you can't compete with that. Being a normal, a normal person, eating normal foods, and training hard. It's not how it works. Without pointing the finger at anyone, or without getting yourself in trouble here on this podcast today. Um, do you, I mean, I've spoken to many fighters, of course. We, we, we all know what goes on in the sport when you're inside the sport and you're involved. We know what's been going on and what does go on. Have you ever been offered stuff by people? Yeah, of course you are. When, you, when you're a kid, you go to the gym and that. I've never been offered anything during the sport. No one's ever, like, like for our gym at Dragon's Lair, um, Trojan Fit, no one's ever offered me any gear at that. But when I went to the gym as a younger, we're not all about like, putting some muscle on to look good for the women and that. I was offered loads of times. Do you think that's where it starts? Yeah, I think it starts off when you're trying to look good and people keep offer you a shortcut. If you're offered a shortcut to do something and get the same results, most people will take it. Fingers crossed. We end up with... The, uh, there are bound to be positive tests after July, but whatever there is out there, whatever anyone is using right now, needs to be flushed away by then. Hopefully. Get rid of all the mastron. Hopefully. Listen... Uh, I wish you all the best heading over to America. Stay fit. I'm glad the shoulder's better again and that uh, you're back in action. You seem happier to me because uh, you, you've, got, you've got that aim now in, in, in several weeks' time and, and it's when Brad Scott's always at his happiest. Yeah, when you've got a goal, you can focus a lot more on training. When you've got nothing, you're just trying to come back from an injury. It's really difficult. You've got no real aim. You don't really know when you're going to be back. Now I've been given a date to fight. It's just, oh, I can load a weight off my chest. But then another weight replaced on my chest of Dylan Andrews. But I'm going to get that done and sorted. I'm going to knock Dylan Andrews out and I can relax in Thailand. And you don't have to worry then about doing carpentry, which you've been doing for the last few oh. months. Mind you, Jesus was a carpenter. Yeah, Jesus was a carpenter. You can't argue with that, can you? And Joseph. I'm not arguing with you today either. Brad, thanks very much indeed. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Look forward to being on there again. You've been listening to the World Podcast. I'm Gareth A. Davis. I'll see you next time.